Hi, everybody, and welcome to an episode of Coach's Corner. I've got a great expert for you today that I'm so excited to share with you. You know I am so passionate about health and wellness, and I love to bring on thought leaders who really, really know holistically how to handle health and wellness. Dr. Stephen Cabral is the author of The Rain Barrel Effect. He developed his passion for health and wellness after going through severe health complications at the age of 17. He saw over 50 doctors, tried over 100 treatment protocols, but saw no hope of recovery. It wasn't until he met an alternative health doctor who explained to him how he got there and how he could become well again that he began his recovery process. It was at this young age that he knew his life would be dedicated to helping others rebalance their bodies and renew their health. After almost 20 years and over 600,000 pages of research study completed, dozens of certification in the natural health field, and over 250,000 health and fitness client sessions, and a doctoral degree in naturopathy, Dr. Cabral's knowledge, experience, and compassion are at the top of his field. Dr. Cabral also has his own podcast, The Cabral Concept, which you can find on iTunes or wherever you subscribe, and you can hear an interview with yours truly. We talk about all kinds of good stuff in this episode, hormones, toxins, heavy metals, intermittent fasting. We get deep and you can always learn more from Dr. Cabral by visiting his website or checking out his book, The Rain Barrel Effect. Before we dive in, I want to thank my sponsor, Third Love. If you don't know about Third Love, you should, because Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their FitFinder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for the perfect fit and premium feel. And they will officially have 78 bra sizes, ranging from 30 inches to 48 inches and cups AA to I, one of the largest ranges in history. All of these sizes will be available in five of Third Love's most popular classic styles, including the 24-7 classic t-shirt. That's my personal favorite bra. The 24-7 cotton t-shirt. That's also one of my personal favorites. The everyday lace t-shirt, the lace back t-shirt, and the lace balconette. Third Love offers a 100% fit guarantee. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, return it. And Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. It is hands down the most comfortable bra all your own. Straps that won't slip and tagless labels. No itching, lightweight, super thin memory foam cups to mold to your shape. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. That's 15% off. Go to thirdlove.com slash over it now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. Thirdlove.com slash over it. And now on to my interview with Dr. Stephen Cabral. Dr. Cabral, it's so great to have you on the program. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, it's amazing to finally connect. So I'm happy to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you. And I was telling you before we started recording that, you know, I've been a little sick, so I haven't been, you know, Jill's really been managing everything for me. And I didn't even know I was talking to you today. And yesterday I was having a conversation with a new friend of mine and she recommended your book. And then I saw that I was talking to you today. So it's just, I love synchronicity and Jill has your book. It hasn't arrived in my house last night, but I was on Amazon last night, just like devouring the I don't know, 20 pages or so that I could get a preview on on Amazon (laughs) and I can't wait to finish it. So I just want to thank you for the work that you're doing because I think it's really, really important work that you're doing. So thank you. 
I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And I want to start with, because I know you have a very um, personal story that has made you as passionate as you are today about providing healthcare to people. Can you share how you got into the health field? Absolutely. And, and I like to let people know too, this has been a, a long journey. It was never, never in my cards, I thought, to eventually become someone who talks about natural health and naturopathic medicine. But what happened was that when I was 17 years old, I woke up one day, which I thought was out of the blue. And at that moment, my entire immune system was shutting down. The glands, all of my body were swollen. My eyes were swollen shut. My tongue was swollen. And I was having a reaction, but I didn't know. And when I went to the doctors, they didn't know either. So they diagnosed this as an idiopathic, which means we just don't know, uh, illness. And so at the time, and this was a little over 20 years ago, I was told that we're going to have to wait and see. And I think so many people hear that term when they go to the doctors. Well, we're going to keep an eye on it. We're going to wait mm -hmm. and see. Even though they, they know you're in pain, they know you're suffering, but the problem is, and again, this is not the doctor's fault. So I want to say that always up front is not your medical doctor's fault. It's just that there's a system that's been created that if there's nothing wrong on your blood work, then that means you're okay. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned is that health is not just the absence of disease, but it's actually living the life that you want to be living. So you need to have the energy and the clarity of thinking and, and all of those different things to make you a healthy human being. So this was a very long journey, but after about two years of seeing over 50 different specialists and being on all sorts of different medications, I finally, and this was in the late 90s, found a, an alternative, and I use that term uh, very loosely in air quotes, uh, an alternative doctor that began to run at-home lab tests. So basically functional medicine lab tests that looked at my hormones, looked at my gut function, and brought me into this world of, um, we call it, we back then we called it adrenal-based issues. Now we call it like HPA dysfunction with adrenal fatigue and all that. But I later was diagnosed with conventional medicine with Addison's disease, which is the absence of non-production of cortisol. We always talk about cortisol is bad, but think about not producing something that acts as an anti-inflammatory in your body, gives you energy. So I was walking around all day with flu-like symptoms and I had lightheadedness upon standing and walking up the stairs. I could do about six stairs and I have to sit down. Mm. Couldn't even make it to the, the second floor of my house to be able to lie down in bed. Uh, and it was really pathetic. I mean, this is, I was someone that prided myself on playing sports and trying to do well in school, you know, not for me really, but I was building up this ego because I wasn't good enough. And I wasn't, I was this perfectionist in type A and I was senior of high school and I wanted to ace my SATs. Like all of these pressures I put on myself because I, I, I wasn't good enough. That's what I felt. And that combined with being put on three years of antibiotics by my dermatologist for acne led to me destroying my gut function, which we now know 80% of our immune system resides there, and ended up with you know type 2 diabetes, Addison's disease, rheumatoid arthritis, POTS, fibromyalgia, and a host of other issues. And that's what happens when you literally break down your body. And so it was a long road to recovery. Um, I no longer believe it needs to be a long road to recovery, but I didn't have my answers back then. Mm. I finally got them, and that's when I was able to heal. Mm. Mm. And now you are an ND, is that correct? Correct, a naturopathic doctor. Naturopathic doctor. Can you explain to people what that means? So when you, you have a medical doctor and then you have a naturopathic doctor, and now, and actually the, the terms are now fractioning within that as well, because you can be a board-certified naturopath if you decide not to go for licensing, 
because we're getting into a new world. And this new world allows you to work with people all over the world. But the like a conventional medicine still runs and rules the world. And conventional medicine is the for medical doctors, right? So medical doctors, the difference with a, a naturopathic doctor is that the first two years of school, you're learning about the autonomic nervous system, you're learning about oncology, toxicology, you're learning about all of your ologies, I call it. But then the next two years, a medical doctor will learn about pharmaceuticals, or a naturopath, naturopathic doctor, will begin to learn about healing the body because of the underlying root cause imbalances that are there, and then also using vitamins and minerals and everything of what makes up this body. So I typically tell people at a very fundamental level, you are not well right now. You're either sick mentally, physically, et cetera, because of what you have, toxicities. Now that can be trauma. That's I have something called the de-stress protocol and emotions is one of those, right? You have to heal those emotions and then mindset. So two of my apes actually have to do with the minds and they don't teach that in school, no matter what school you go to. Yeah. Um, but you know, so there's either a toxicity and that could be candida overgrowth, bacterial overgrowth, heavy metals, or you have a deficiency. And when you begin to bring up your deficiencies and lower your toxicities through natural based methodologies, you heal the body. So it's a different way of looking at things. I believe that everyone should actually have an integrative health practitioner and a medical doctor. So it could be a naturopathic doctor. It could be your favorite functional medicine chiropractor, because remember, like natural health comes in many different flavors and it's whoever you connect with. I don't think that it has to be one specific person. Um, and you might have different people in your life. Like I have a great acupuncturist that I love and I have this massage therapist that I like. And so I think you can have a team and for acute based issues, it's great that we do have, you know, medical doctors and conventional medicine, just not for chronic issues. Mm -hmm. I, I have my team, <laughs> I have my like health insurance that basically pays for, you know, physical every year, my gynecology appointment, but my, my naturopath and my functional medicine doctors and my acupuncturists are the, who the people I, they're the people I go to for, for my healing and for, you know, consistent treatment and maintenance and all those things. Um, so I think that, you know, everybody listening, like if you are still dealing with chronic things and you keep going to an MD, maybe research a natur naturopathic doctor as an alternative so that someone can take a more holistic view at not just the surfacing symptoms, but what started it, like go way downstream, like what is kind of at the core of why you're having all these symptoms. And I want to, um, give a real life example by using myself. <laughs> My audience knows I'm very vulnerable. They know most things about me. And I started having this year, just lots of just trouble with my hormones. I could feel I was having trouble with my hormones, even though on blood work, they were fine. And so medical doctors were like, your blood work's fine. It's just age. And I'm like, you know what? I don't buy that whole, it's just age thing. You know, I, I don't think women in their late thirties and early forties should have to go through hormonal hell just because it's just age. I, I had a feeling that I just wasn't metabolizing my estrogen. I know I don't methylate well, and maybe you can talk about that and the MTHFR gene that a lot of people are talking about. And I just really feel like there's just heavy metals and toxins that are impacting my ability to um, metabolize my hormones well. And so I'd love for you to, I know toxins are something that you're very passionate about. I know that you write about that a lot in your book, The Rain Barrel Effect. So I'd love for you to, you know, share anything, any insight you have in terms of what I just shared, if you think I might be on the right track and how this might apply to other people and how, how we're so exposed to toxins and how they're impacting us in ways that we don't even realize. Absolutely. And, and so 80% of our practice is women and 
the number one issue we work with people on is digestive. And the second one is female hormones. Mm -hmm. So this is something that this is a, this is an everyday story. And this is why I love people bringing this out and being vulnerable because this is happening to so many women and it needs to be talked about because late thirties, early forties, I mean, that's way too young to be experiencing really any hormonal decline Mm -hmm. or imbalances. But I'll tell you what, we see this in in teenagers as well. And the reason we see it uh, most of the time, and it it magnifies, um, typically it's called estrogen dominance. That's one of the main ones that we see. And we look at it as, okay, women don't know it as estrogen dominance, but they know it as holding on to a little bit more water. Yeah, especially around your belly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And a little bit lower mood, a little bit more irritable, a little less energy, Mm -hmm. libido, Mm -hmm. drive, um, sometimes a little acne around the (laughs) chin. So, you know, these are things that surface. Now, it's not called estrogen dominant, but we have these symptoms. And so we might go to the dermatologist for our chin acne. Uh, We might go to a personal trainer to lose the the water retention, the, the extra weight that we're holding. Um, you know, I could go on and on, but really what we're looking at are some fundamental breakdowns that happen within the body when it's under stress. Now the stress could be heavy metals. It could be some methylation based issues, but what it comes down to, and the reason why it's magnified, just to talk about methylation for a second, the easiest way to think about methylation is that B vitamins are used for combating stress and giving us energy and they help with, um, down-regulating inflammation. So when people have an MTHFR, which just stands for methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase, it's simply a way in which our body metabolizes things such as folic acid. Well, folic acid, and that's why you know it's great having this conversation too, because you don't want to be really taking in folic acid. You want to be taking in methylfolate. And that's because so many people, about one-third of our population, are either 33% or 35% or 70% deficient at using their B vitamins mm-hmm. and methylate. So what does that matter? Well, yeah, there's MTHFR issue, but technically it's why you're producing so much stress. Why do you have so much inflammation in the first place? So we can look at it as one part of the overall puzzle. But what I see right now, um, and, and this is not new, but a lot of women, men are included in this as well, but when we're talking about female hormones, we'll talk about women here for a second, um, that, and, and women's bodies are actually more sensitive. So For example, a big thing right now is lower-carb diet or keto-based diet or carnivore-based diet. This is actually very disastrous for women's health. And the reason is it's one more stressor in your body that tells you you are in a survival-based situation. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. We use a lower-carb diet. I'm not saying that I'm against that. I'm against long-term lower-carb diets. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with 7, 14, 21 days, but let's not tell your body long-term that it's starving, that it's missing a whole macro group. And what happens is we begin to lower thyroid. And one of the reasons we begin to lower thyroid is because we're upregulating norepinephrine and cortisol production because we're, we're in fight or flight. It's a form of stress. Now, when that happens, besides your thyroid, which again, we lab test so we can see this over and over, TSH starts to go up, there's hypothyroidism symptoms, start to get drier skin, um, thinner eyebrows, thinning of the hair, poor circulation, cold hands and feet, etc. So the other thing that happens is this, though, and I know that I'm on a rant right now, I'll stop in one minute, no, I <laughs> is love that it. your body starts to downregulate progesterone. Yep. So we're not going to produce everything, right? We can't produce high levels of DHE, high levels of testosterone, high levels of everything. 
all the time. When our body shifts to sympathetic nervous system dominance or fight or flight, we're going to, and there's seven stages to this, but we'll just say you start to downregulate DHEA, eventually testosterone, and progesterone. And all that's left is estrogen. Now, estrogen is usually perfectly normal in women. It really is. But you have all the symptoms of high estrogen because progesterone is not within ratio. So when women go to their doctor and their doctor runs their blood work, everything looks fine because it's within range, but the ratio is off and they didn't test it during days 19, 20 or 21 during their cycle, which is when progesterone should be at its peak and estrogen should be towards its lowest point. And that's when they're getting their symptoms. So again, we see this all the time. It's not hard to correct, but no one's yeah. talking about it. Well, and I have so many questions because I know listeners are like, what is he talking about with certain things? I, I know what you're talking about because I've been in this for so long. But one thing that happened for me, and then I'm going to go back, is they were like, oh, well, your estrogen dominant, we'll just give you progesterone cream, which completely messed me up, completely messed me up. Instead of like really looking at like what's happening with your estrogen, like, you know, it, I learned the hard way. I was also, and I shared this on a podcast, so my audience knows, I was also got massive toxicity from some supplements. Like I was, I was put on a methylated B vitamin combo and some different powders I was taking. And I don't know if the lab was compromised, but it gave me massive anxiety and panic attacks, which I don't have for mm. a month. I was in fight or flight for a month. And then of course my hormones got screwed up. And that's one thing I just want to emphasize to people, especially women, stress, <laughs> whether it's external stress or whether it's how you think on a daily basis, like your body, especially your hormones and your cycle and your digestion will start screaming at you until, because women were not meant to be in such a yang stressed energy all the time. And, and our body is definitely telling us, which is why, again, like, let's go back to the carbohydrate conversation. Cause I think a lot of people you know, think we're just talking about, you know, bread and, and, and pasta and those kind of things. Those aren't the carbohydrates we're talking about. We're talking about how important it is to have like sweet potatoes and some, maybe some quinoa, like the complex carbohydrates that I have learned soothe your adrenals and tell your nervous system like to calm down a little bit. So can you talk a little bit about why, especially for women, a certain kind of carbohydrate is important? Um, and I'd also, well, I'll ask that and then I'll ask my other questions that, that we'll start there. <laughs> Sure. And you're dead on. So there's nothing that calms fight or flight and stress. And you know this intuitively. Most people, when they have a craving, they want something sweet. Mm -hmm. Now, the sweet will help with neurotransmitters such as serotonin and dopamine as well. But carbohydrates tell the body also that it's okay, that yeah. it's not starving. And that includes fruit and it includes the root vegetables like you just spoke about. Sweet potatoes, Japanese yams are one of my favorites. Oh, love those. The purple potatoes of the Okinawans that are the longest lived people in the world. And it is one of the absolute best things. That is, that's fuel for your nervous system. So a lot of people say, well, you know, the brain's 90% fat. Yes, but, but it runs predominantly on glucose. That's its preferred fuel source. It can run, your body's an amazing machine. And its job is to keep itself alive. So it will rob from this compartment. It will start to break down this compartment. I mean, you see people start to age rapidly because their body is nutrient-based deficient. And a lot of that is mineral-based too. So, you know, what I would say is we need to balance the body, tell it's in a safe space. And it will actually, we, we say this all the time is that a healthy body can't be overweight. It's going to be at its perfect mm -hmm. weight. So find out what's keeping you in balance and, and fix that. And one of those for sure is stress and digestive. The digestive system is also a big part of that because, hey, you can be eating the best foods in the world. 
But the bottom line is if you're not breaking those down and digesting them or they're fermenting in your gut, you can't use them for, right. for nutrition and for health anyways. Right. And can we circle back to how toxins affect your ability to metabolize hormones and just how it affect how they affect you in general and what are some of the most common toxins that are out there that we're not even aware of? So this is, I mean, I refer to this always in everything in your life as the rain barrel. So basically everyone has their own rain barrel. And I learned about this. It's not talked about. And that's why like I need, I felt like I needed to bring this to the world. There had to be something that I could say in my own unique voice because for everything else, I'm like, Hey, read this book, go here, you know, check that out. But what people weren't talking about is that I woke up one day and I got sick, but it didn't happen overnight. It was years of me eating the wrong foods. I'm talking about fruity pebbles and frosted flakes oh, and I would eat like little Debbie <laughs> snacks. And yeah, I mean, that was like how I grew up and that was totally normal. Like everybody did that. And then I was using antibiotics, and stress and all of these different types of things. And I was gradually filling up that rain barrel. And all of a sudden, yes, one night it overflowed and I woke up next day. And when it overflowed, those were my symptoms. But every day we're either adding to that rain barrel in terms of toxins and the toxins could be from your diet, from your lack of, or actually too much exercise. So go to go back to that example. Yeah. We have so many people out there right now that are over exercising and under eating. Yep. And in the short term, okay, you can transform your body that way. But in the long term, your body will rebel. And yep. that's just the way that it is. Yep. I'm definitely a former over exerciser. I think in my twenties, I had exercise bulimia. You know, I was the kind of person, if I ate like uh, too many chips or something, I would go and do like extra cardio the next day. And it didn't affect me immediately, but in my 30s is when I started to feel it. And and it was in my mid-30s that I was like, I need to make some major, major changes in terms of, of how I how I, how I exercize. Um, I, I want to sure. talk to you about intermittent fasting, but I want to go back to the toxins for a moment because people may hear us talk about heavy metals and toxins. What is the exposure to those kind of things? And how do we know if we have some exposure? So, you know, if we, if we think about it right now, there's over 77,000 man-made chemicals in the United States. Most uh. of those produced after 1950. So when people say, well, my grandparents lived at this age and your grandparents were probably born in the 19, early 1900s, 1920s, 1930s or so. So when you look at that, they had a 20, 30 year head start of not being exposed to these types of things. And they lived a lot of times, not always, I'm just making generalizations, simpler lives. Right now, the average woman leaves the house being exposed before she even leaves the house to 126 different cancer causing chemicals. Oh my gosh. And that overloads the liver. The liver, think about this, it's an organ under the right side of your rib cage. Its job is to filter your blood every six minutes and it's just constantly flowing through there like a car filter. Well, it does its job, but when it starts to get overwhelmed because maybe you are undermethylating or you don't have enough you know, cruciferous vegetables in your diet for sulfur-based amino acids, and we can talk about that if you want, is that it begins to say, okay, well, where am I going to put these heavy metals, these phthalates, parabens, the chlorine vapors that you just breathed into your shower because you don't have a shower filter, all of these things. And we say, well, where are they going to go? Well, they're going to do a couple of things. A lot of them are very um, fat soluble. So they're going to go into our adipose tissue or our body fats. And what happens when they go into our body fat? It begins to swell. It doesn't, add, it doesn't make new adipose tissue. So our body has our fat tissue already set in our body, but it expands it. And because when the toxins come in, they bring water weight. That's why I tell people, a lot of times, there's not always a ton of body fat to lose, but there's a lot of toxic water weight that your body's holding on to. 
because it's a chemical factory because it knows if it kept this in the blood, you'd be dead. So it has to put it somewhere. It puts in the brain, which is fat as well, the adipose tissue. So our job is, yes, to figure out, okay, for example, aluminum, it's a huge toxicity. It's the number one thing that I see in my practice, whether someone runs a, a hair tissue mineral analysis or you know they can run toxicity tests, which are urine-based tests. And it's from the antiperspirants. It's from tap water. It is from cooking with aluminum foil. It's from aluminum pans. And just little by little, we're being exposed to it. It's a nervous system aggravant. It causes inflammation, um, allergies, asthma, brain fog, migraines. So these are things that we have to be aware of. I don't want people to be afraid of them because there's so much that we can do, but we need to be aware because this is the type of world that we live in right now. Yes. So, you know, for someone like me, I know I don't even need to go get a heavy metal testing and test done. Honestly, I think they're inaccurate a lot of the time. I know I have toxicity. I know intuitively there's heavy metal situations I'm dealing with. What are some ways that we can start to detox those things other than eliminating, you know, common toxins from our household? Like I just found out, oh, this, I was so mad. We, we rent our home and the person that used to live here told me, Christine, do you know that they spray Roundup all over? And unless you tell them not to, they'll spray your yard. And I was like, oh my God. And Roundup is, I know, I think you've listed it in your book. It's, it's full of chemicals. It's awful. And so I, I, luckily I found the one company and I'm like, please, please, please do not spray our yard. And they're like, well, you're going to get weeds. And I'm like, I I don't care. (laughs) Like I'd much rather have weeds. Um, But there's these these things that we don't even know of. So uh, back to my question. Sorry, I'm kind of all over the place because I'm so passionate about this. I'm very fired up about it. How can we start detoxing a lot of these heavy metals in in a way that doesn't, you know, in a gentle, safe way? Yes. And so just one thing, and I can't help but respond to the, the Roundup or the you know pesticides that we're spraying. When researchers in a lab want to give mice cancer, they actually give them just one pesticide, and they know that it causes cancer in a mouse's body. So if we know that, why are we still searching for what causes cancer? That's one of the many toxins. It, it just blows my mind. And so We're giving the mouse cancer, and then we're trying to figure out Mm. how to get rid of the cancer. It's the most backwards thing I've ever heard in my entire life. So what we need to do as humans is, okay, we have to do our best to not get cancer. So there's cardiovascular disease, there's stroke, high blood pressure that go together, there's type 2 2 diabetes. Those are the leading causes of of death um, and really shortening our lifespan. But cancer in the next 10 years, by 2030, is set to surpass all of those. So it's right now one out of three people. It will soon be one out of every two people. And wow. it's coming from toxins. And so there's no, and there again, like we're, I know that we're, we're trying to help because we're saying, okay, let's find the cure to cancer. But we know how we are causing cancer. And it's from all of these toxins, not just one, it's not just pesticides. Yes, it's heavy metals. It's all of these different things. But what we need to do is simply protect ourselves. And so- mm-hmm. The best way to do that is, and I take this from one of my internships that I did was um, three times I went to India and Sri Lanka, and I studied in Ayurvedic uh, clinics and hospitals. And back then, and you'll find this in every form of medicine, funny, you know, except conventional medicine, it is a subtractive method. It is emptying your rain barrel. So in order for them to get well, you had to, it's kind of like personal growth, right? You need to sometimes empty your cup before you can tape on more. And that, to me, that was an aha moment. Like that, to me, was, oh, I get it. Just because 
B vitamins and all these things and all these great foods are good for me, I might not actually be able to handle them because I'm so toxic. Because we live in a world right now, we don't live in a world of want. If you're listening to this podcast, you pretty much can grab food whenever you want it. Mm -hmm. You can grab anything you need. So what we do is, and I just want to state this as well, a, a functional medicine detox is different than a cleanse, a detox tea, Correct. a yeah. juice, whatever it might be. It's actually clinically set up to give your liver the nutrients it needs in order to help itself heal, to detox. As someone that, you know, oh, I work, we work with so many different people and, you know, okay, my, my doctoral degree, all of that, but I don't say that I heal people. I put people's bodies in position to heal. Mm -hmm. At no point do I ever want credit for any of that. I'm simply trying to take things that I've learned from all over the world, assimilate it into one practice and say, if you give your body the vitamin C, the glutathione, the vitamin E, the B vitamins, it's going to set up what's called phase one detox. That will take these fat-soluble chemicals, turn them and then to an intermediate meta metabolite. Then we use cruciferous-based vegetables like broccoli and um, cauliflower and Brussels sprouts. But again, you can get this in supplement form if you want. And it enables you to take these really harmful fat-soluble chemicals, turn them into something water-soluble, and enable you to harmlessly get rid of them through your sweat in a sauna or exercise, as long as you're not overdoing it, and then uh, through urine and through your bowel movements on a daily basis. And if you do that, you can keep up and actually get ahead of all the toxins you're taking in on a daily basis. Mm, mm, that's why I must love Brussels sprouts and broccoli and cauliflower so much is because I think intuitively I've just been guided to eat that way, um, you know, to help with the toxins. And in, in terms of, and I love that you made the distinction of, you know, because I think a lot of people go and do cleanses or quote unquote detox programs and they actually end up causing themselves more damage because they're not in a place where that's actually healthy for their body. So can you just maybe share um, some of the warning signs of like, uh, of doing a, a cleanse or a detox too quickly? Like what do people really need to know before they go on a juice cleanse, let's say? Yes. And I'm all for fresh vegetable juices. And I love that. But the problem is this, if this was, so I really, I studied a lot of the, the natural hygienists and their work in the 1800s love reading old books and, and reading what they were doing back then. And they were taking people out to the forest and you were like, why, why would they take people to the forest? Well, they would go to natural springs and in the forest, there's no um, electricity, noise, as much pollution. Again, this is going back a hundred years ago. And there's also all the negative ions that we know are very positive for the body too. And they would fast them and, and they would get well. And that was amazing. But here's the thing. They weren't exposed to the 77,000, maybe they were exposed mm. to 1,000, but not 100,000 chemicals. So now when people are detoxing, or, or let's say they're doing a, a juice cleanse, again, nothing wrong with that. But what happens is it's not truly equipping your body with the phase one and phase two liver nutrients that your body needs to break these chemicals down. So every time we lose body fat or, or oxidize body fat, along with the body fats, the calories that come from that, come the chemicals. And so you're right when you say that you can't always find your heavy metals or your higher levels of estrogen or whatever it might be. Some of that is stored within the adipose tissue. And so when you oxidize it, you people say, oh, I started to get skin rashes and headaches and hives and dermatitis. And well, 
Yes, because you're releasing that now into your bloodstream and your liver, it was keeping up because it was storing it in the adipose tissue. Now you released it again and you don't actually have the nutrients to be able to get that out of your body. So that's called a Herxheimer-based reaction. And in conventional medicine, you first learned about that through antibiotic use because antibiotics kill bacteria. So there's be this massive die-off and people get heart palpitations and headaches and they feel like they have flu-like symptoms. So it's a really good sign that you're moving too fast Mm -hmm. uh, with your detox. And that's why I love fasting, but I do it in a way when you're detoxing to just give yourself the nutrients in order to facilitate the process. So let's talk about intermittent fasting. So intermittent fasting, the way I traditionally know it and have done it is a 16-hour fast and an eight-hour eating window. But I've been thinking about this, and I'd love to hear your professional opinion about is that really great for women, especially women in like childbearing years? Or is it better for us to maybe not be doing intermittent fasting and having like one day a week or a month or at a certain time in our cycle where we do a moderate fast, where we're just having like bone broth or green juice or something like that? What what have you found really works best, especially for women? It's a great question. And I've I really try to keep myself open and unbiased because at the end of the day, I don't honestly care what works, who so-called invented it, et cetera. And I really believe that today, most of what we know is a rediscovery of what we've always known back from Ayurvedic medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, et cetera. But just as my mentor taught me, I love combining functional medicine and lab testing with the ancient knowledge that we can bring up to today. So I want to use everything, but lab testing will actually tell us, and it will, without a shadow of a doubt, um, if you're, what you're doing right now is okay for your body. Here's what I found, is that for the majority of women, a 16-hour fast is not a positive thing unless, and this is a big thing that people are not doing, it comes more in the evening rather than the a.m. Mm. And I'll explain why. It's that when our bodies get moving in the morning, there's something called the cortisol awakening response. It happens about 20 minutes to 30 minutes after waking And our body naturally begins to peak out in terms of cortisol, which is our stress hormone. That's a good thing. It wakes us up. It gets us ready for the day. Um, You know, all of those different things where you're getting your kids ready or trying to get out the door. So what we want to do, though, is manage that. So if we're already in fight or flight, again, trying to get kids ready, you're in traffic, you're late for a meeting, whatever it might be, or you're exercising first thing, you have to think about it as you're revving up your endocrine system, your hormone system. And over time, never right away, over time, it begins to make you more catabolic. So I believe, and I've seen this again play out, thyroid levels start to decline slowly. Progesterone levels start to decline slowly in women. The skin becomes a little thinner, start to see a little bit more fine lines, wrinkles. This is all signs that your body, so you have catabolism, which breaks you down, and you have anabolism, which builds you back up. When you eat, well, now you're giving your body growth. When you're not eating, it's more catabolic. So if you think about it, if someone's already quite lean and they don't need to lose much weight, those are the people where it's even far more detrimental to not be eating for that 16 hours, especially mm. when you're stressed in the morning. So again, we can take this person to person, but it's my belief, and I've really seen this work out just from um, lab testing as well, that if you're going to do the 16 hours, start earlier, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock at night, mm-hmm. and get that first meal in somewhere between 8 and 10 in the morning. I found a nice compromise to be stop eating at 6, and I know that's difficult because a lot of people are going out later and, and those types of things, but 
in general, stop eating as the sun's going down because it's not as good for digestion. And what you want to do is have your first meal a couple hours after waking. Hydrate first and then have your first meal. So in an ideal world, 12 hours for almost everyone. There's always exceptions. And 14 hours from 6 o'clock at night to about 8 in the morning seems to be that sweet spot for most people. Yeah, including men. Including men. Because again, you can push through it and, you know, but here's the thing. Some people aren't really fasting. They're putting, you know, um, coconut oil in their coffee. Right, right, right. That's calories, right? So it's just not carbohydrates, which still allows the stress response to trigger, yeah. but you're getting calories. And so here's one more thing I just want to add. And because like, let's say, okay, I don't really believe that, whatever it is. Here's the other thing. To live a long, healthy life, you really need to be getting in a lot of antioxidants and good plant-based fiber, plant-based food. So there's been no long-term study that shows people live a really long time with just protein or just fat. Like they're eating plants, you know? Mm-hmm. So again, that that is different than when I was uh, personal training 20 years ago and body transformation because you do things different for your body transformation than you do for your long-term Correct. health. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. at some point we need to make the change and to get in seven to nine servings of fruits and vegetables every day, that's really hard to do it in two meals because you need to be eating four cups of vegetables and you don't want to mix your fruit with your meal. So, you know, it's pretty challenging just to get it two meals. Yeah. I, you know, I think that that's where my switch has been over the last several years is not on the things that make it look good, but what are the things that make it feel good, not just now and in the long term. Um, you know, and my, my fiance, he, he intermittent fasts like a lot, like 16, 18, sometimes 20 hours. And he trains hard, hard on an empty stomach. And, you know, he's like, like I said, only 37 now, but I just feel it's not good for him. <laughs> you're gonna, I'll tell him right now, like test your levels now of hormones. Yeah. And as you will start to see testosterone levels decline, it will happen after DHEA levels decline. And you will also see just overall vitality begin to become depleted. Because remember, we are energetic beings. And if you are not eating and you're pushing, mm-hmm. you're depleting your life force, your energy. It's mm-hmm. like, it's honestly, you can get down to a, a molecular level looking at trace minerals, ultra trace minerals, vitamins, you're depleting all of them. And so you can look at it that way, but it's a dangerous thing that we play with because we don't feel it at the moment. But again, it's building up, yeah. right? it's filling up that rain barrel. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm just tired in the morning. I'm groggy. I need more caffeine. I need more coffee. Those are the first signs, right? Yeah. Not being able to sleep well at night and being groggy in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. I recently got off caffeine too. That was fun. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I want to start to wrap it up, even though I could talk to you for hours. Um, So let's, let's let's go over a couple things because I know we kind of talked on a high level. Uh, Someone heard us talk about methylation and the MTHFR gene. I hope I said that right. A lot of people call it the mother effer gene. I don't know if you ever heard somebody (laughs) refer to it. I haven't, but I really like that. (laughs) So Can you, once again, explain what that is and how people know if they have it? So the only way to know if you have it is to run some type of genetic test. It could be saliva-based, it could be blood work, and um, there are actually different parts of the um, MTHFR gene, but what I would say is this. So we do a lot of genetic testing as well. I like to work with people in three ways, and that means we go weight loss, wellness, anti-aging. And I put genetics into anti-aging. So here's, here's what I want. If someone's 30 pounds overweight, I always say if you're more than 15 pounds away from your goal weight, let's focus just on the weight loss. But from a healthy perspective, of course, we're not going to overexercise and under-eat. And what we need to do is get the weight off to about 10 pounds of your goal weight. You don't, the goal is not to be 
uh, stick thin or anything like that. That's just not the goal. The goal is to be healthy. Okay. So we'll get down to a healthy body weight. Then if there, cause remember you're going to get healthier as you begin to lose weight because you're not going to produce as much, um, it's called endogenous estrogen. Your body actually produces more estrogen and it produces more inflammation, the more body fat you have. So it's not about vanity. It's actually about getting the body healthier. So we reduce that waist hip ratio. We reduce the overall body fat, BMI, get you to a healthy weight. Now, if there's any wellness related issues still left, then we work on wellness and then we work on rebalancing the body. Now, after you're well, we work on anti-aging, which includes uh, genetics and includes telomere length and, and all of these nice things to look at. But what I found is this, is that most people, and, and it's not that looking for MTHFR and COMD and SOD and clock gene and all these different things don't matter. They do. But what happens is even if you have it, we don't know that it's an issue. What we do know that is an issue is what we have right now in terms of symptoms and the labs that you can run at home that can then be corrected. And then we look to the future. So if you have methylation issues, you're going to want to be looking at things in your blood work like homocysteine, CRP, LDL-based cholesterol, lactase dehydrogenase, like all of these different things. So it's super complicated. I don't want to make it more complicated than it is. But the nice thing is this. You pretty much never have to worry about your genetics if you do not put your body in the environment or the toxicity, which enables those genes to turn on. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I had rheumatoid arthritis, type 2 diabetes, all sorts of issues at 17 years old. I don't have them today. Mm -hmm. I have no health issues today. I have more energy than I did when I was 14 years old. So how is that possible? Well, it's still in my genes. If I let my body go and I eat certain foods or whatever might happen, the rheumatoid arthritis is there. My genes are ready to turn that on if I allow for that to come to fruition. But as long as I live a life that's balanced and balanced for me, then it enables me to stay free of dis-ease of the body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. There's so many things that I've shifted as well, even though it sounds like I'm a hot mess right now. <laughs> There's so many things that, that I have shifted. And, and, and I actually see these things like, you know, the, the estrogen dominance and the, the other kind of things as their, their alarm bells. And I'm, I'm listening and I'm paying attention yes. and it's making me learn. You know, I didn't know that I didn't methylate well. That's been new information to me in the last year after I did genetic testing. I mean, it's made so much more sense and, you know, started getting more vitamin IVs where I get glutathione um, and things that my body really needs. So I think that, you know, health is such an important place to invest. Um, so that could be a great first step for people is find a functional medicine doctor or an ND and get some, ask them, like, say, I want to get some genetic testing done and just get a map because, you know, there's no one size fits all approach to, to health and wellness. You know, we have to really kind of know what we need. Um, but I love these, these general things that you're giving us, Stephen, that are just things we can all apply. Um, so I want to go back to women that are having hormonal struggles of any kind. What would you say some some steps for them would be to take? Because if they're like, oh my God, I, I'm having hormonal, I'm so confused, I relate, but what do I do? So the number one thing that we can do is let's, and it might be cliche, but don't guess, test. After, if you've been dealing with this, not for months, but if you've been dealing with this for years, you have to figure it out. And now in 2019, we know exactly how to do that. We've known for quite some time. It's just that these labs are not available from your typical PCP. It's just not even offered to you. So, and that's because you'd have to do additional study and education. They're not covered by health insurance, et cetera. 
but you can run something called a thyroid adrenal hormone test. And it's amazing. And you'd run it during days 19, 20, or 21 of your cycle. If you don't have a regular cycle, you would do it during the day or so of when you have symptoms. And what we would do is we would actually map out and look for, and it's a simple saliva test, and there um, you can do the thyroid, um, which is a, a finger poke. And what we would do is we would actually look at your progesterone levels, we would look at your estrogen levels, and we would then look at the ratio. And if you have normal estrogen, which most women do, but you have lower progesterone, we would then ask why. Just like in your case, we wouldn't give you progesterone. You know, a woman in their 30s, 40s, we don't need to give progesterone. Mm -hmm. We would ask, hey, why the low progesterone? And we'd say, okay, now let's look at cortisol. And we say, oh, okay, lower cortisol in the morning. Interesting. That might be why you need that caffeine. You feel a little bit more brain fog or grogginess that you don't wake up till 10 a.m. And oh, you have difficulty staying asleep at night or falling asleep because you can't turn your mind off. Oh, you have higher levels of cortisol at night. Well, this stress and poor sleep could be lowering your progesterone levels through a natural stress-based process, which is also decreasing your DHEA, which leads you to more immune-based issues, et cetera. Next is stress affecting your thyroid. And we wouldn't just look at your TSH because in conventional medicine, it's 0.5 to 5. It's a huge range, but healthy is 0.5 0.5 to 2. And we'd say, okay, if that's off, if it's a 2.8 or it's a 3, so you're on the road to hypothyroidism, which means you're going to feel lower thyroid right now. Again, the weight gain, the inability to lose the weight, the water retention, the thinning hair, the dry skin, uh, puffy eyes, all of those items. So we would then say, what's your T4 and T3 look like? Because that's what makes up your thyroid. And sometimes, honestly, it's a deficiency in something that's just so easy like iodine and selenium, right? Mm-hmm. It's so easy, or B6. And so we would then run, uh, well, we would look at your blood sugar on that same test. It's called the thyroid adrenal hormone. We would then look at what is going on with your overall vitamin levels and mineral levels. And again, that could be done with a hair tissue mineral analysis test and an organic acids test for your urine. So you can, you can get these tests through your functional medicine doctor, your integrative health practitioner. You can get them online. You, can, you just have to make sure that, and this is important as well, get a referral or go with someone who knows how to read the tests, right? Because it's not just about, are you within range? It's what do your ratios look like? And how does that relate to other items on the test? What should you do to get those back into balance? Not just give the progesterone because that's low. That's, Mm. that's green medicine, right? That's not really what we want to do. Correct the underlying root cause. Exactly. Yeah. Because it just messed me up. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, so many, uh, you're just a wealth of information. I have so many more questions, but I do have to wrap it up. The good news is you have a book, The Rain Barrel Effect, that people can get on Amazon or a lot of other places and learn so much more. How, what are the best ways for people to connect with you if people want to work with you? Do you offer programs? How can people um, learn more from you? So there's a couple ways to, to get started, and that could be if lab testing seems like you just want your answers, then great. We offer labs. We ship them to 19 countries around the world, all the labs that we spoke about here at equilibriumnutrition.com. Um, the, the functional medicine detox we offer there as well. So we do that every 12 weeks. You can do whenever you want, but we do it as a community every 12 weeks as well. And, and that's just kind of ongoing for good health. But you know, I would say if, if this is new to you and you're kind of thinking, you know, where should I start? I do a daily podcast called The Cabral Concept. And, you know, my, my big thing is it doesn't matter to me who you go to do the labs or do the detox. It's that you do them. I want you to eventually do them. But also, I want you to know always why. 
And because if you know why, you're more likely to stick with it and fixing it just once and then kind of going back to your old life is not what I want. I want you to make permanent change. And again, it doesn't happen overnight, but that's what enables you to not only get the results, but hold on to them and, and then really live your best life. So that's called the Cabral concept. And um, I hang out there every day. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And I, and I was, in, I enjoy being interviewed by you on that podcast. So thank you very much. I'm going to start checking that as well. I'm so excited to dive into the rain barrel effect and just thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. Um, like I said, I think it's just so incredibly important and you're really educating people. And I think that's what's missing in our healthcare system is you know, physicians aren't educated in the way that they really need to be. And so we, we're not educated in the way, and it really is, um, you know, a self-responsibility to start learning these things. And luckily we have incredible teachers and physicians like you who can help us, you know, get through so much of it that is overwhelming. So can you say the website that people can go to once again? Equilibriumnutrition.com is the place where you can get the functional medicine detox and the labs and my personal website, is stephencabral.com, which is just a hub that you can kind of jump off to different spots. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you.